Hi, I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this is another episode of SEO's Dead and Other Lives. Ryan, how are you doing on this wonderful night? Uh, doing great. We're on the eve of Corey's arrival in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm just going to get right into it. Well, none of our <laughs> listeners know who that is, but <laughs> Corey's a great guy that does SEO. It's a mutual friend of ours. He's an SEO dude. He's a, he's a good man. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to working on some projects with him. And, so we have a really interesting topic uh, we want to discuss today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, questions that you get asked pretty regularly in the SEO industry that you honestly don't have an answer to. I know one that I get regularly asked is, how many links is it going to take for this to rank uh, on page one or in the top spot? And the answer to that question is, I don't know. Uh, it's going to take as many as it takes, right? <laughs> like a lot of things kind of go into that. Uh, one of those things is like, how competitive is it? How good are the backlinks? Uh, but I get asked this question pretty regularly. And ultimately, you just say as many as it takes, right? So you just <laughs> keep building them and diversifying that backlink profile until you're there. And sometimes it can be one, sometimes it's 25. Just depends on you know how difficult it is. Well, to piggyback off of that, in, in addition to not really the quantity, it's also like the amount of time I feel like goes into it. This is like, oh, how long is it going to take? And it's like, you want to be able to provide good links and do it consistently, but we both know that there's nothing really natural about acquiring a bunch of links all at once, especially for a website that never really had links to begin with. Yeah, but I think uh, the important point is it's uh, more than more than none. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> it's more than more than none. Uh, I think you're absolutely correct about. Uh, it's relative to competition for the keyword too. So you can go to some places where there's just really nothing going on. And the keyword is that you're going for for this particular project is maybe you know a tier four page on a website and you're going to try to optimize a homepage for the keyword. Maybe you need less links. Um, and there's like a different scenarios when it comes to that. So Yeah. Uh, and then kind of staying in the same topic area, another question that I'm regularly asked is how much should links cost, right? Like, like if you're going out, if you're using a service um, to, to build links for you, like naturally, or let's say you're using, you're building in, like um, infographics, right? And you're working with a company that like goes out and finds places to place your infographic on the website. So you're doing link building. Uh, like how much should that cost? What should the monetary value of each of those be? Because ultimately you want to say like, hey, we spent X amount we got X amount of value out of it when you're, when you're doing something. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's hard, you know, like a link on Forbes, some people might charge a thousand dollars for it. Is it really worth a thousand dollars? And it's like, I don't know. It's hard to put, there's a lot of, a lot of factors in that. There's domain authority. There's like the actual page authority itself. Is anyone actually going to it? Can you get sales or conversions off of the link? There's just a lot of variables in there. So it's hard to come up with an actual answer of like, this is what this link should cost. Yeah, this is actually almost overwhelming me now because also another factor, and I think that we talked about this a lot with EDU links, is that at present day, the link may be worth a thousand, but what happens if they add a hundred more links to that page? Like then is the value is diminished? What happens if it gets buried? What happens if it gets you know moved yeah. around? Like those things are impossible to predict what a webmaster is going to do. Yeah, you, you have no idea, right? So you could ask those questions. You just kind of do your best and say, well, we just need to have more and basing it off competitors. We need to have these links. That's really all you can do. Uh, another one that I get asked really regularly um, because I'm in the local space is how many citations do we need and how long will it take 
to get local rankings. And it's really, I can't answer that question either. I mean, I have a lot of locations, some are in big markets, some are not. So it's less of a time for the ones in smaller markets than it is for the big ones. Sometimes it can take up to six or seven months, but I can't give you like a straight answer. Like this is how long it's going to take. Or it, once you get 80 citations, you're going to be number one. You know, all we can work is in approximations based on competitors. And that's really it. This this podcast is, is funny because it's, it's reminding me of working in-house. It's working, reminding me of really what's happening nowadays when you're in a situation where people are already kind of disenfranchised by SEO, like a lot of people, because they think it's kind of like the black magic, like what's behind the scenes. It's all kind of like, um, kind of not hocus yeah. pocus. What's that other crap? What? And then you can't, well, you, <laughs> then you're ambiguous about the answers too, but try not to be. Yeah. It's almost like we don't want to be ambiguous, but we kind of have to, we're not like snake oil salesmen, <laughs> but I can't always give you a straight answer for, for the question that you have. Um, yeah. I think the best the best way what you SEOs probably have to do more often instead of being like, when am I going to get my first call? When am I going to get my first lead or client? Is uh, for SEOs to really, at least in the beginning, maybe like the first 30 or 60 days to have KPIs. That's really the best thing you can do. You can be like, okay, we know that the organic traffic isn't leads. We know that rankings isn't leads. But if we know that it's trending in the right um, direction. We know that these KPIs based off historical data, once we get to the top three spots for certain things, we're extremely confident that it does produce business. I mean, that's what you have to go off of. That's how to be transparent, at least in the meantime. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. So I imagine Ryan and I, we both have very different questions that we're regularly asked that we don't know the answer. Some are going to be similar just because of the nature of our business, mm-hmm. but because you you know, you work at an agency, you own an agency, um, you probably get asked questions from, you know, clients that are really different than what I get from being in-house, right? So I would say the people that I work with, I see them every single day. It's a, it's a team. So I have a lot of opportunity to like educate them about how the process works and they'll have like realistic expectations because they're setting like quarterly budgets around that kind of stuff. So I imagine though, you probably get asked all kinds of questions uh, that are just like, I don't know, right? Oh, I try not to say I don't know. So I think after uh, discussing this podcast a bit, um, we're definitely having a uh, a focus that's how to avoid saying something along the lines of I don't know and having at least an educated follow-up for some of these tough questions that truly no one can really answer, but at least have a level of transparency or expertise to give peace of mind and like a timeline for things to actually happen. Because at least like how to approach, you know, because sometimes if you don't know, the best answer is I can find out. Let me, sure. I don't know that. And I'll, I'll do some research and come up with an answer for you. Right. Um, and that's really, I think what we, we want you to take away from this is that there just aren't going to be things that are going to have like a yes or no or, or a straight up answer. And you're going to have to approximate it. Yeah. And along with like what our responses are, even even if we don't know it exactly without, you know, BSing anyone and just, you know, how to not find yourself in a situation where you sound like any other typical SEO. <laughs> I don't know. Like there you go. those lines. So yeah. 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 The questions that I get are always going to be, how long is it going to take to rank? Uh, when am I going to see return? When am I going to get like, start seeing leads? Those are, Oh, those are never going to change. And yeah. since, I, yeah. 
In fact, I think if you were to ask an SEO, how long will it take me to rank for this term? And they give you an exact answer. You probably should run the other way. Yeah. If you're, if you're saying, oh, it will be three months. It's like, you don't know that. Like there's a million things that can happen. The, the website could lose all of its links. It, it could, the algorithm can change. So like seeing an exact timeline for things that you don't know is not the direction to go in. It's definitely, you know, based off of data and having done this, I'm expecting things to happen within like a window and, you know, in a best case scenario, this or worst case scenario, this um, windows are okay. Exact approximations are not the direction typically going because it's all about expectations when it comes to SEO. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another question that kind of rolls into SEO because you, you know, just do the actual practice of getting the rankings, you have to sort of analyze it and you got to know how Google Analytics works because it's how you prove what you're, what you're doing is working. Uh, is, you know, is, it, is this a good bounce rate? I, I get this question quite a bit, right? So you look at the data, you're like, oh, well, this has a bounce rate of like 80. This one has one of 70, right? So you're kind of looking at that and, and analyzing it. And sometimes you don't always know. Um, some of it just depends on the type of business that you are. Uh, there isn't really just one set. Like if, if I don't have a bounce rate of at least 40, you know, as low as 40 on all the, all the pages on my site, I'm doing a bad job. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's, so it's, it's hard to like give an answer about is this good or, or bad. You kind of have to look at industry studies. A lot of times they put out stuff that's like industry wide, what bounce rates are and conversion rates are for certain types of traffic for, for certain niches. Uh, so you got to like kind of look at a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's it's funny because I I don't hear people getting as wrapped up as they used to be about the bounce rates of pages. Like, there's a page that typically is forty percent, and their organic traffic doubled. Now their bounce rate is sixty percent, and they're just like, "Oh man, it's you know it's up fifty percent. We have to make huge adjustments to this page." And it's like, "Well, wait a second. Before you start blaming the page and its ability to convert, what is a conversion rate? Since it." doubled in organic traffic, let's look at Google Search Console and see if there are other keywords that it started to rank for that aren't as qualified. Like there's, again, there's a lot of scenarios, but at least if you sound educated about it, you're going to get your point across about, you know, a course of action to take. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, bounce rate is something that we do talk about a bit, but we typically don't have too many action items on it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> We're always like, yeah, there it is. And it's a valid point, but let's not do anything typically. And, you know, I, one thing that I would look at as a takeaway, though, at least, is if your bounce rate is pretty much the same on desktop and mobile, um, I might dismiss it immediately. But if it's way higher on mobile and way lower, I guess, relative to that on desktop, I might start thinking if it's a user experience issue. I know that's kind of random, but. I do want to have one takeaway. For, for yeah, that, I mean, that's a good thing to look into for sure. Um, it doesn't mean like don't pay attention to bounce rate, but like you might have a higher bounce rate on a particular page and hey, maybe it ranks for like a keyword that like isn't exactly what the person's looking for or whatever, but it's still like you're getting so much traffic to it. It it's makes up for anything, you know, for it not matching up. So just because it has a high bounce rate doesn't mean it's a bad page. It doesn't mean it's like, it's not hitting with the market that you want. Sure. Um, I think that I have, a, I have a good segue and I think that you'll, you'll like this because this is something that you have to consider you being you, Paul, <laughs> not the listeners or, or me or whatever. But okay. um, let's start broad and start going into more specific examples. And so to start broad in content marketing, 
Um, another just broad question that you know I get, and I'm sure you've gotten, and we've dealt with forever. It's very similar to backlinks. How many backlinks when it comes to content? How often should I be blogging? How many pages should I add? But to make it a little bit more, I guess maybe advanced um, iteration of this question, um, people will also ask. I want to like ramp up my content. I want to have just as much content as the next person. So I have 10 pages, they have a thousand. What happens if I just drop 500 pieces of content on my website all at once or should I spread it out? So that kind of going to you, I know that you like to be aggressive with content sometimes, but do you kind of um, stagger it like backlinks where we know backlinks you really should, but is the same really for you as far as content? I'll tell you my philosophy on this. Um, so it depends on what I want the content to do. Uh, if it's something that is evergreen content, I will just publish everything I can at one time and just get it out there because waiting is just that much longer. It's going to take to like rank and get traffic, right? Can't do anything with it if it's not on the website. So I just go ahead and just do as many, if it's like 50 on evergreen stuff that I know it's going to last a couple of years worth, you know, but of, uh, of importance for, for people searching it, I put it right up. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff I mix into that though. That's like timely stuff, right? So you're more of your, like your fluff. And the reason that I do that, uh, is it gives Google a reason to come back to your blog and further index pages. If you make updates to things, it'll index that kind of stuff. I mean, we did a whole podcast of like rewriting your old content and you want Google to like crawl that rewritten content. Uh, so, you know, giving Google a reason to come back and recrawl things, uh, is generally going to help you. Right. And there's, there's also like a freshness aspect to a lot of stuff in like, like the algorithm. So if you're like a news website, obviously you're going to have to be posting new stuff all the time. It's not going to work for you on like for evergreen stuff. Um, but I kind of take just like a two pronged approach to that. So the, <laughs> the answer to that question is it depends, right? I don't, I don't <laughs> is know. This where this podcast the, is going? <laughs> yeah. It depends on the situation that you're in. Right, right? Right. So there isn't, there isn't a correct yes or no answer. Um, but if it's important, for you to have from like a conversion standpoint and it's like going to be around for longer than a month. It's not like, Hey, best uh, apps to have for your Thanksgiving dinner, uh, cooking your Turkey. Uh, you can go ahead and just publish it ahead of time and, and not worry about it being timely. Yeah. I am not opposed at all about just dropping all the content for the website all at once. Um, Cause you, you create that site map, you submit it and then it'll all get indexed and there's just absolutely nothing wrong with that. And we, we've seen that, you know, when we were experimenting with those 30, 40,000 page, wait, was it that big? Yeah. Like every single, no, four, maybe three to 4,000, you know, for every yeah. city of the United States and it index and it indexes well, and they'll all pop, pop up at once. No issues. Um, I think that I just um, keep the blog in mind a little bit more where it's like talking about kind of the freshness and consistency. I, I like if I'm have a website, let's say it drops in 2020. I, I don't, I'm not opposed as long as it's not timely. I'm not opposed to predating two years worth of, of vlogs <laughs> just, to, <laughs> just to give the impression that it's, you know, been consistent for two years. Um, it's just a matter of at least using some of it to make your life easier to schedule it out. Um, and then, you know, I have a lot of people, it's like, how often should I blog? Like if someone comes to you and it goes, how often should I blog? I'm, I'm, I'm in this hundred percent. I see the value. You, if you tell me I need a hundred blogs a month, I'll do it. If I need 10 a month, I'll do it. Um, how, how do you normally kind of answer that? I mean, what, I, this is a good question. And I, I do have an answer for that one. So we're, we're getting off topic. <laughs> no, these are quite, these are the questions. This is the whole point. Yeah. So 
what I what I want to like to do for like a quarter, because you space things out on like whatever your quarter is. It's like, hey, I did this keyword research, and I want to get based on this research. If we rank in the top three for these keywords, we can expect X amount of traffic increase, right? Once everything ranks like in the top three that we're that we're going after, right? Um, and so. I take all that and then I base how many articles I'm going to need to cover those topics like accurately to, to get to that, that traffic estimate. Um, and that's what I publish. So that that's, what's going to determine it. Right. So if it's like, Hey, we want a 20% increase in traffic, you know, over the next like two quarters, well, I know I got to bust my butt and I got to get everything out. That's going to like have that growth for me in the, the quarter after that. Right. Um, so that's, that's usually kind of how I pick like what, what I'm going to do. Gotcha. So are you able to quantify it from that? Pretty much how much, how much content is there? Well, I mean, not necessarily like it's going to be 10 articles because the research is going to determine that. Right. right. So, but I'm, I'm going into, if, if the goal is we need 20, a 20% increase in our traffic. Right. And I know we're going to get it from the blog. Uh, I'm going to go in and find what keywords are going to give me that 20%. And then I'm going to figure out how many articles are going to be needed to like discuss that, you know, and and get those like rankings. So it it might not, it might be like 40, it might be 30, but at least like I'll have an estimate to give them of of what I'm thinking it's going to be. Yeah. I I think that it's um, a little bit like contingent, I guess, for me on just the, the number of opportunities and topics. So if I'm you know, working on a project, I'm just like, this is very finite amount of content. Like I'm only, you know, coming up with like four or six topics a month. It's like, that's kind of what it is. But if you just go through and you're doing tools and you're doing your research and you're like, I can come up with 200 pieces of content, like pretty easily on this. It's just a matter of like how aggressive you want to be. It's like, do we want to knock this out in three months, six months, 12 months? Um, because yeah, like, I mean, it's like- all there. If I was just working on coming up with content ideas, I could come up with more than they could afford to pay. Yeah, you know, I like <laughs> I can come up with ten thousand if you gave me like enough time. <laughs> yeah, you can come up with uh, you know, the the best uh, best. Well, I don't want to give away. Well, we we already talked about what you do, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. fine. Don't don't need to use me as an example. Yeah, the best. Yeah, the best best uh, scenes in television where people break their phones, <laughs> something like that. That'd yeah. So like I, I'll I'll come up with it. There there's always something out there, right? Yeah. Um, that you can you can rank for, but. You know, is it going to be worth it? Um, and I ultimately, it's I'm the one setting the strategy for it, right? It's not like I'm promising they're going to get X amount of like articles. I'm telling them what what I think they need, and they usually adhere to that. I hear that. So, um, so I had an interesting one today, and I definitely wanted to to bring this up because I think this can easily segue into a few other things. But um, we're always talking about prioritization of like pages and what they should be optimized or catered to. And typically anyone that's been listening to us for a bit, we always, almost always encourage anyone to keep their home pages like their most important keyword. And then their secondary pages are obviously kind of works its, its way down. Um, I think a lot of SEOs would agree, but there's always this interesting situation where, you know, I work with a lot of law firms and when law firms start getting quite big and they start having a lot of practice areas and they actually start to have a lot of geographies in multiple metropolitan areas, then you really can't decide like on the homepage just being the most important keyword because you cannot just designate that and alienate uh, everything else. So for 
<laughs> for like on page best practices, it starts to get a little bit tricky for uh, you know, a law firm that is in two states with seven or eight different practice areas and half of them are very important. I tend to say at this situation, this crossroads, that the homepage, since you don't want to like pigeonhole anything, either just use the brand completely <laughs> or you can just list out as much as possible. Like what's kind of your take on that one? Um, uh, you know, again, that really sort of depends. Uh, and it depends on a lot of things. One is like the brand growing. Is this like a location-based business? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they definitely so, have multiple offices. If, yeah. So if you're, uh, if your homepage has always been geared towards, let's say, you know, like Orlando DUI lawyer, um, and now you have a bunch of other pages that are like other cities in like the U S you know, you're, you're almost at a disadvantage, I, I think at that point, and you just want like your homepage to just target like general keywords. And then you want to have like landing pages that like target like specific cities and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in that situation, I think, I mean, you're going to have to really do that. It's not like you, you can't really use the same, you wouldn't be able to use like your homepage for like in Orlando for Tampa, you know, cause you want those keywords to be on that landing page. So eventually you have to sort of like move away from that, I think, and, and kind of hurt the rankings on that page, but to build them up on like a different city page, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you make a good point too, is because like if you might hurt your keywords, but maybe it's kind of worth seeing where you're at before you even make that change. So it's like, okay, for these pages, before I re-optimize, let's just like run a tool and actually see what it ranks for and see how valuable it is. And Typically, if something's optimized very broadly, you're probably not going to have to worry about hurting too many rankings anyway, because it's just so general that you didn't really rank for anything in the first place, unless your website was just insanely authoritative. Um, but if you start adjusting some of your secondary pages before you do that, you're going to want to check like, oh, you know, I do have this page and it actually does rank eight. So do I want to kill that or do I want to kind of build that up? Um, because yeah, things start to get really convoluted on websites when there's multiple locations and multiple geographies and multiple services. And it's just, it, I know that it's, it gets really tough trying to actually like working with the client too. Like I'm going to change this and it's going to, you know, or it's gonna, we're going to have a setback for a little while, but I can guarantee in the long run that this is going to work out better for you. And some people might not understand that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been in that ex exact situation, but you kind of have to prepare for it ahead of time um, if you know it's coming, right? So you just, you start working on that, that other page and you take those keywords off away from your homepage once you get that other page ranking. Yeah. It's sometimes it's a little bit scary to be in a situation where you know that you're proactively doing things that are going to negatively affect keywords and traffic. But for the long run, it's going to work out better. And uh, I think a lot of SEOs tend to be like, "Oh, how do I? How can I avoid this situation?" But sometimes you just got to go, go head first into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing that I, I get asked from time to time, and I really don't have a an actual answer for this because I don't know if you could. Uh, <laughs> is like they want to track sales from an offline source to searches to the website. <laughs> does that make mm. sense? So it like sort but, of does. But the advertisement. So let's say you saw an ad on the side of a van for this business. 
and then you came to like Google my business and they're like, well, how, how do we know that it didn't come from the van? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that <laughs> question. Uh, you, you have them fill out the questionnaire and it says the van. You yeah. You know, source? like we don't have, but like, let's say you go Google my business and you just call the business and then you end up being a sale. And it's like, I, you know, I don't really have like an answer to that. Uh, yeah. You're not going to really jump through hoops for attribution like that. Yeah, like, like, I don't think that there is an answer that I could give you that would be, you know, it's sort of like, if you don't have a, if you have a billboard and you don't have a specific tracking number on it or, or a landing page that it's advertised in the billboard, you're not going to know like if like they, pound, unless they tell you they came from the billboard. Like pound law, that's all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how that's a lot of like legal agents do that. Right. Like yeah. 441 pain. Right. Oh, you that's know? a good one. Cause yeah, they only yeah. advertise through the radio. Uh, and you know, if you get a call hundred percent attribution. It's from the radio. Right. Or, or Pandora, but that's like almost like the radio anyway. Um, and that's interesting. Uh, we use uh, call rail for all our call tracking mm-hmm. and what that'll, that'll do. That's uh, fortunately eliminated some things, but it's all digital. So if you're talking about like off, you know, offline traditional, I, you, you know, that attribution is going to be tricky and I don't know how much we can really wrap our heads around it right now. But um, when you do call rail and let's say you came in through pay-per-click, um, that mm-hmm. pixels, it's always going to show you the pay-per-click number. So if you come back and you come back organically and then you leave and you come back for remarketing and you come back for social, you can come back six times for six different sources, but it'll only show you the, the originating phone number just to have like some semblance of, you know, the originating attribution, like, which is, I would yeah. have, to, have well, that, to opt that being the important, the most important. That goes into a, a bigger question: Is should you have first touch or last touch attribution? Right? Yeah, that's a and, that's a good point. Yeah. And I don't know if like okay, maybe that's how initially they found out about your business, but that doesn't mean like that's what made them convert. I like middle. I like uh, the third touch attribution. Middle touch attribution. Middle touch. <laughs> middle, I'm more of a middle touch guy. I, I like the most middleman thing that you can be. That's that's what what I like. Um, I I do I do first touch. I I will say, um, even though it's like yeah, it's what you're saying. You could argue all day that last touch is more valuable because that's whatever that medium was that brought them in was the one that had them convert right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I like Last yeah. Touch because it's usually the website. <laughs> oh well, you like it, sure. Well, I like oh, it yeah. because it's also the website. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually what I'm doing, so it's, yeah, it works out well. Um, now, uh, I mean, that's another big question that I get asked from time to time too: is like, how should we be attributing our leads? And no, this isn't a podcast about lead attribution. Thank God, um, we'd be talking for a really long time about it if it was. And then, um, how much I argue with people for like my whole life about qualifying the leads and saying that it yeah. came from SEO. Yeah. I don't yeah. even, I mean, yeah, most of the time you're just fighting to have it's your leads. literally you know, a fight. Oh, I saw a question the other day on uh, the local search forum actually. And yeah. it was, this guy was talking about a client who was saying that SEO services should only be uh, based on commission. And I was right. like, that's absurd. Pay for, pay for performance. Sure. It's been a, a topic for well over a decade. Yeah. I mean, I, I've tried it in some situations, actually Ryan and I tried it in one I've tr- situation. I've, I've tried it. Clean. It they sucks. Like the thing is you aren't in control of sales. So by ultimately saying marketing should be in charge of sales is acting like they're not separate things and they definitely are. Um, you know, like I have no control over the salesperson talking on the phone if they're good or, or not. 
uh, you know, there's been instances where we've provided perfectly qualified leads and they didn't close any of them. Right. And that's not because they were poor leads or, or my job was, was done poorly. So, you know, I have a hard time uh, getting on board with, with that. And anytime I've ever done it, it's just like, it's just like an argument to get the attribution, even though it's yours, you know, because like people don't want to pay you. Yeah. It's, it's really, really no easy for them. No, it's easy for them to, to dispute it and just have you try to like argue your case. Like they'll, they'll yes. wear you down. And then it's exactly what you're saying. Um, you don't have access to their books for their finances. You don't know how much that they're going to close it for. If you, if you did a, it's either like your, your dad or your mom, it's business. And then you're like, fine. Okay. Yeah. Or someone that you're extremely close with or like B you have a really sophisticated system where it's completely transparent sales dashboard and all that. And it's just, it's a hassle. It just is like, it's insane. Yeah. And another, I mean, this happens more in like, it can happen in any industry, but it definitely has happened to you, right? So let's say you get a lead and for whatever reason, the lawyer can't take that case and they refer it out, right? Sure. And then they get a referral you know, you fee. Get, then you get a referral. But you referral. don't get a fee. You no. don't get paid for that because they didn't convert to a sale. No, there is, you know, the, the, the buck kind of stops at the paper lead, um, which works in some instances. Um, the only thing you have to have is cute, you know, quality assurance, which is like a whole other thing you, most people don't want to deal with. Um, but it is feasible. But like the the commission, oh my gosh, um, people that think that they should do that. I mean, where are they people that that in their profession that'd be acceptable for them to work for a commission? I, they don't like almost ever. So like, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's like. Uh... It's an interesting concept, right? That I've just, and maybe there are people out there in niches that have made it work. I'm sure there are. Um, I've talked to them before. I mean, affiliate marketing is a thing. Well, right? it's, it's as it's much a thing exactly as it used to be. It's exactly what you said. It's reputable affiliate programs where, where it works. Yes. Yeah. So, but for me personally, I, I've never been able to do it where I've even recouped my costs of what, what I've spent on my work, you know? It's and hard. just like the, you have to meet every month and argue over like which leads are yours and like why it wasn't so you know, like why a conversion wasn't made. It's just like a lot of stuff like that. Do you remember when I was doing gutter ease and it was like gutter cleaning, gutter installation. I used to get do all this work and have these conversations with people that were really pain in the ass. And then they'd cut me a check and I get my check in the mail. It'd be like $37 and 50 cents. And I'd be like, wow, this is so, so like, so I wasted my time doing that. Yeah. That's like, it's cool. Cause like it worked quote unquote, but this sucks. And I totally just made like $3 and 25 cents an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a giant, it, it's, I don't think it's worth it, but. Well, we can always do a uh, ADT affiliate marketing. If you want to try that sometime. <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> you're not. A, no, they're literally like the opposite of what I want to do. Um, but yeah, that like lead attribution stuff. Yeah. We don't have to get into that. Cause that's a pain, but those are good questions. How am I going to know which leads are from SEO is like a huge question because of the ambiguity of where it's coming from. Fortunately, uh, it's pretty, it's not, I would say it's pretty easy. It's a lot easier than it used to be to do legit organic attribution to traffic that turn to leads and sales, all that. Definitely. So much easier. So, um, yeah, those those are good questions. Um, I'm trying to think of a question that I got. I'm like, where did you just get that from? <laughs> like, what did you read to come to come up with this kind of proposed question? Oh, you know what? I'll probably edit this. I'm saying that, but um, 
I had one that was based off of how to how people kind of have a take on what's considered a toxic link, which I thought was interesting because um, I had uh, a client that's basically like, from now on, I want to disavow all links that have a domain authority less than 50. And I, I remember like, you talking to me about that. And I was, was probably just talking like to you. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to you and I actually didn't mention it on a podcast. So I was like, it, like, how did you even pick that threshold? And, and oh my gosh, in what world do we live in where DA of 50 is the threshold of toxic? And, um, but do you, um, and I'm sort of looking at this more too, and this is kind of something I'm, I'm talking about with my team, but is there really a, a threshold after looking at like, you know, Majestic and Moz and maybe SEMrush, do we really not want links that have a DA of less than 10, even if they're legit? Like, is there uh, really is a threshold? I don't look at that at all as like a determinant factor. In fact, well, I'm an interesting case because my website that I manage has a lot of backlinks. So I tend to not even care about getting rid of those at all. I don't even think you can get to that within search console anymore. The disavow tool, they're like pretty much doing, doing away with it. Yeah. You have to do a weird search to find. Yeah. So like uh, Google doesn't really care. I think about toxic backlinks anymore. I think they just devalue them based off whatever they're, they're basing it off of. Right. So I don't think it hurts you anymore. I don't, I haven't talked to anyone that's gotten a, a manual penalty in a long time. I Have know, you? Right. Those are days are done. I, I don't even, yeah. I don't even remember the last time someone that I know has gotten one of those. And I know a lot of people do a lot of spammy shit. So yeah, I just, I think with the, 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 Penguin updates that they did, the real-time Penguin updates, I think it just devalues stuff that it thinks is valueless versus penalizes you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I had like an excess of like foreign links, I wouldn't love that. Like if I got all of a sudden a thousand Russian links overnight, I'd probably just like kind of go out of my way to disavow just for more of the peace of mind than anything. Um, but I, I'm interested, and this is something I'm evaluating a little bit more is that just these like really low D- DA or authority or whatever metric that you like to use. If, if you already don't have a lot of links to begin with and it's kind of just overwhelming your link backlink portfolio, is it going to, is it holding you back? And these are like some of the things I try to look at from a mathematical standpoint. I don't always know the answer to. So like, you don't have to worry about it because you get so many links that it's like a drop in the bucket. But if you have, let's say a thousand backlinks and you get overnight a thousand more backlinks and they're just all just, really just crap like it can't be a great thing is my is really what i feel and i'm starting i've seen i feel like yeah i mean i I don't think there's any downside to detoxing links that are really bad that are obviously spammy i mean you have to think if something's under domain authority like 10 i mean i think if you start a new website you get a daf5 right just for existing (laughs) yeah yeah so, you know, the, the loss from that is going to be minimal, if at all, right? So you can probably just get rid of those. And, and not, if, if you're like really worried about it and losing sleep and you think it's that important, then go ahead and do it. I don't think, I don't think it matters though, personally. Like, I don't think it's going to affect anything and I don't think you're going to get hurt by it. I also think it's something that Google did in part to combat negative SEO and like building a bunch of links to websites uh, to hurt them, right? So yeah. I think that's kind of 
taken that away as well. But there might be edge cases out there that people can talk about. And I'd love to hear from you if you, if you have one and you're a listener. Yeah. And then also for the record, um, I know that we were talking about some link building packages I bought on legit and kind of went through them and which ones were working and I have not been impressed. And I, I never build that to clients. I only build it to like, you know, some blogs that we have. And I was doing a backlink analysis and I'm like, these are terrible links. So I don't know if they're getting lazy or what, but it is not easy to just go out and buy links. Like you really have to do, be a little bit thorough and really take, take more time. It's hard to find like a large scale package that would give you good links anymore. Cause it's just like that whole industry is so spammed out, you know, and like they go after people that are, um, I wouldn't say brand new because you probably don't know how to buy links at all if you're brand new, right? <laughs> you go Google search it, link build. Oh my Maybe gosh. And buy links. Uh, I've never even done that before. I'd love intermediate to level SEO they go after. Um, like maybe you don't know enough how to make your own, right? Right. So uh, I, I just don't have a need for it anymore. I mean, there are some like trusted things that I, I would use um, from like really aged domains and like the contents like le- legitimate, you know, it's not, it's not spammy. So, and there's like a limited, a limited amount of like backlinks that they are sending from it anyways. So those work pretty well, but for the most part, any of those things that you're going to buy, those like, you know, $50, 20 link packages and stuff are usually pretty garbage by, the, by this point. Yeah, I completely agree. And then one question, one of the main questions I get, actually the question that I get probably more than anything, um, especially not from new clients, but cl- clients I've had for a while. And you could probably imagine, well, that's actually, it could be anything, but you're not going to be surprised at a client forwarding an email from someone that says, Hey, I love your blog. Do you mind adding this resource or this blog or can I write for you? is definitely the biggest question again on a continual basis which is of course outreach link building so um my answer is always no that one's a really, really so, simple one so a way to put that into the format of what we're talking about um sh- should you should you even do that will it hurt you probably not but is it worth your time also probably not well what you, what you can do is you can post you can post it <laughs> you can post it and then uh exclude their backlink and then they'll follow up and say hey oh thanks I, I see that you posted it do you mind adding that link back in and then you go oh like this and then you link it and then you link it to something else and then they go oh yes you did the link right but you linked it not to our website and then you can go well but i think actually this resource was better than the one on your website <laughs> and then yeah. you just drive them crazy oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. That'd be um, brutal. All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot of uh, topics that we get questions for all the time and we yeah. don't necessarily have a definitive answer. Yeah. Just kind of unboxing our thoughts and into the world, maybe helping someone who's like, I had that exact question. I wish I, I were to answer appropriately or in such a different fashion, I think. That's right there. Cause it is, it's not, it's not the hardest industry, but people certainly don't make it the easiest, especially since, the trustworthiness of this profession is literally a huge, huge spectrum. Yeah. If you have some questions that you get asked and you don't know the answer, please hit us up. We're happy to answer them on the air or we'll send you an email response with what we think you should answer the mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forward the email from your boss and we'll just, uh, you know, hand curate it for you on your behalf. Here I'm a new one. No, um, we just, <laughs> hopefully we'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, that sounds like good. That sounds like a good time.
Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. We really appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe anywhere that you see our podcast at, anywhere that you use it to listen. Uh, that didn't make any sense. Those were a sentence, but anywhere you listen to it at. So maybe that's your Stitchers or like, you know, your your Apple podcast app, wherever. Um, and if you are interested in being on or asking us a question, you can email us at seosdeadandotherlies at gmail.com. Uh, we usually respond pretty quickly and we love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to answer your questions. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO's Dead and Other Lives. Bye. Bye.